On today's show, the Atlanta Hawks know where they'll be playing on Tuesday in the play-in. That's the positive. On the negative side, a pretty bad loss, to be honest, at home against these zombie Sixers. We'll get into all of what transpired on the court, off the court situations, and the next step for the Hawks coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1447 of the Lot on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Friday evening into Saturday here in early April. And today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook partner of the Lot on Podcast Network. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. And today's podcast also will be diving in to what became a pretty bad loss for the Hawks at home. We'll get into all the context of a 136 to 131 overtime loss. But first, I want to tell you and encourage you to make us this podcast. Your first listen each and every day at Locked on Hawks. Check us out anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, etc. And definitely click the subscribe button wherever you get this podcast. And we do appreciate you joining us on the show today. It was the final home game regular season for the Hawks in this game. They're guaranteed at least one more postseason game, whether, whether it be a uh, spoiler alert next Friday potentially or something beyond that in the playoff series. But um, lots of stuff going on off the court. Miami clutched the division on Thursday and then lost on Friday, make, making them the seven seed. And then before the Hawks game even concluded on this Friday evening, the Raptors lost to make things not matter actually in terms of the standings on the floor for the Hawks. And the Hawks are going to be the eighth seed no matter what happens on Sunday. Um, that would have been the case no matter what the Hawks did, either win or loss tonight because of the way the Raptors performed on the road in Boston. But with that out of the way, and we'll come back to it later on just to wrap things up at the end of the show, but it was a very bad performance, honestly, from the Hawks. You might have thought that if you weren't watching this game and just saw the final score, you might have thought that, you know, the Hawks probably didn't need to win this game and probably didn't try very hard. But they were. They tried the entire game. They played all their guys, uh, even in overtime. And the end result was not a good one for the Hawks. So big picture for some context here. I have to tell you at the top of the podcast that the Sixers were without all of their guys in this game. In fact, Joel Embiid, the presumptive or at least front runner for the MVP award, did not play. James Harden didn't play. Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, DeAnthony Milton, B.J. Tucker, all didn't play for Philadelphia. That's six of their top eight guys, including their top three guys on offense. Also, it was a back-to-back for Philadelphia and not for Atlanta. So even with Hunter coming back and uh, actually he returned in this game after missing, four, after missing four games in a row for Atlanta, so the Hawks were at completely full strength in terms of, of player availability. Philly missed their tops. We six of their top eight guys back to back. Our friends at FanDuel made the Hawks 12 point favorites by tip off in this game. And the Hawks ended up going to overtime and losing despite pushing foot to the floor the entire way. Trayon played 43 minutes in this game. DeJounte Murray played 40 minutes. The Hawks were trying and they just did not perform very well in this one. So honestly, they weren't good on either end of the floor. In this game, you know, oftentimes this Hawks team in particular defensively, that's where they'll lose games. And look, defensively, the Hawks were not good in this one. But I'll start with the offense, actually, in this one, because neither, neither, neither side of the floor was a positive. Atlanta ended up with a 111 offensive rating in this game. That's pretty bad against anyone, especially when you're facing a team that's not necessarily trying that hard and also playing some pretty bad players. There were some positives. The Hawks did shoot 70% from two almost, 68 points in the paint. So it wasn't that. Um, they did also shoot 10 of 33 from three. That's not very good, obviously. They missed nine free throws. That's not very good either. But the biggest thing, even more than the three-point shooting, which has obviously been a topic all, all year long for the Hawks, was that Atlanta had 21 turnovers in this game. It was a high-possession game. It was an overtime game. But that is still very, very bad ball security 
They had 13 in the second half and then two more in overtime. So 15 turnovers after halftime. That is inexcusable. It's awful. That's the single biggest reason why the Hawks lost this game on offense anyway. Trey had nine turnovers by himself. Obviously, he had 20 assists. We'll come back to that later on. But even with 20 assists, you don't want to have nine turnovers. So he had some ball security issues in this one. It wasn't just him, but he certainly had more than half of them, um, at least in the second half. And from there, the Hawks also only had four offensive rebounds in the entire game on 41 missed shots. So with ball with ball security, it was really bad in this one. Also, very little to nothing on the offensive glass. They got killed in the turnover. Sorry, in the possession battle in this game. Philly did turn them all over a lot, which made things a little bit better, but the Hawks just took a lot less shots than the Sixers did, and usually that's a bad recipe for winning a basketball game. The Hawks did have some balance, eight guys with at least nine points, but even with bad three-point shooting, the Hawks really did not have an issue with shooting efficiency. In fact, they were strongly above the league average in just making shots, but they didn't take enough shots because they kept turning the ball over and not creating possessions on the, on the offensive glass. I guess the team that's playing pretty small, like – Philly did play Dwayne, Dwayne Dedman, old old pal in this game as the backup center. Montrez Harrell as well. But there were probably 20 minutes when they were playing Paul Reed at center or something like that. And uh, they were playing small enough where the Hawks should have had a huge advantage on the glass. And instead, they lost the glass in this game. Um, defensively, the numbers actually look fine in a vacuum. But I would implore you to watch this game and also realize the context. Because, again, this is play- they're playing against a team that had, had none of its shot graders in this game. Look, I'm not trying to disparage anyone on Philly's roster, whether it be McDaniels or Jaden Springer or Shake Milton, who I've always loved, or George Yang, etc. But Philadelphia, in their construction tonight, did not really have a primary shot creator. And yes, the Sixers shot 50% from three in this game, but it was 11 of 22. That definitely helps, but that's pretty small volume. That's not the reason. Like There are games that I have said, on this, if you're listening to this podcast regularly, you will know, when I think that a game swings on shooting variants, I will definitely tell you that. It's a make-or-miss league sometimes, and people don't always love to hear that, but I'm definitely glad to share that opinion when it's warranted. In this game, though, yes, Philly shot the ball better than the Hawks did from three-point range, but that wasn't like the big swing point. Yes, they made shots, but it was everything. Um, The Hawks lost the glass. The Hawks lost the free throw line. They only break even in the turnover battle against a team that had had ball security. So they failed to put pressure on Philadelphia's ball handlers in this game. They didn't execute well when it mattered. And yeah, like if you watched it, the numbers kind of paid a rough picture in the second half in particular, but it was the whole game, to be honest. Second quarter had some nice moments from the Hawks defensively, but generally speaking, Atlanta, you know, if I I still think if I had to choose one side of the ball where the Hawks were probably more bothersome to me, it was defense because, look, and Snyder said this as well, it was basically the fact that their offense was unable to score mattered but Snyder talked about the fact that it's always harder to score when you are taking the ball out of the basket and that's the case in this game and especially like you know Philly yes they had a lot of you know personnel challenges but they're off their line they're uh sorry I said their their available talent probably lent itself to some defensive pluses more than offensive in some in some respects and because of the Hawks offensive issues all year long my friend Glenn Willis who's been on the show before and will be on the show again I'm sure um, talks about sometimes like the Hawks just play, come out of the game, they try to figure out how much defense they can play in, in a single game, and then just they play exactly that much. And this felt like that. It was like the Hawks did not play well enough defensively. The on-ball stuff was rough. Rotations were rough in this game. There were all kinds of issues defensively. But anyway, I, I can go all, the, all day on this, but I'll, just, I'll stop here for now and just say it was a two-way loss for the Hawks. And look, 
it didn't matter in the standings. And I will be the first to say that. I think I will argue later on in this show that I thought the Hawks probably should have just punted overtime because this game did not matter at all. But the Hawks didn't do that, and they lost at home as a 12-point favor against a team that they had NBA players. Like, this isn't this isn't a situation where you're playing a bunch of G League guys. The Sixers were playing real guys, but they're real bench guys. The Hawks were not playing a team that had appropriate talent to be beating them in their own building. And uh, the, point, the point spread shows that by our friends at FanDuel. When you're that big of a favorite, even if – and honestly, coming into the night, the Hawks knew they kind of needed to win the game. So they had that happen – and be up seven points very, very late and blow that lead and then go to overtime and lose again. And it was just uh, not a good night for Atlanta on, on the floor. Obviously, big picture, it's a not a bad night at all because, you know, being the eight seed versus the nine seed is a positive step forward. And if I told you and I told myself really a couple of weeks ago or even a couple of days ago, like three, four or five days ago, that the Hawks were going to be the eight seed, that would have been a pretty strong position to be in because the 10 seed was definitely on the table like a week ago. But Putting all of that to the side, talking about the game itself on Friday, the Hawks didn't play well at all, and that's not the greatest sign in the world with a big game coming, a win or lose kind of situation coming up next week with Tuesday, and then potentially Friday if they were to lose, if, or if they were to win going into the playoffs. They're not peaking at the right time. They did have their best stretch in a while with the three-game winning streak, but that kind of uh, all, came, all came crashing down in this particular performance. So we'll get into kind of what transpired in the game in a second with regard to the game flow and all that. And then we'll end the podcast with some player observations in this one. But first, before we get to all of that, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Nissan and Nissan's most electric player of the week is brought to you by the all new, all electric 2023 Nissan Aria. And this week's choice is going to be Sadiq Bay. The Nissan Aria is brilliantly fierce, fiercely elegant, and silently powerful, bringing impressive combinations of traits to the table is the perfect crossover. And Sadiq Bay had a nice week for the Hawks. 14 points a game for Sadiq. 52% from the floor, but it's really more about stuff beyond this week as well. The versatility, the depth that he's brought to the table to come to Atlanta. Defensively, it was a little bit rough early on, but he's gotten better in that area, and the shooting is huge. Having number four, they can shoot the ball very, very effectively, get the quality minutes, and the bench has been very good in recent days. In small part, or at least not in small part, I should say, because of Sadiq Bay, The Nissan Aria packs power. It will pin you to your seat, and it will also give you premium intelligence that's all in one EV. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. The EV for people who love to drive, shop now at NissanUSA.com. All right, we'll dive into the game now. And early on, the Hawks actually played pretty well on offense. They were clicking early on. Collins had seven points in a row uh, early in this game. Had a catch-and-shoot three. Three-point play from Trey. Um, Collins had, uh, there was actually a nice play in the first possession of the game. That had Col- I'm sorry, sorry, Trey set a back screen for Collins for a, uh, a couple of free throws. Then Collins had a big block on Paul Reed. Trey had five assists before the first time out. But the Hawks were not great. But I'm not playing great on defense, as we talked about earlier, and they were down by two as a result. Rotationally, no surprises, but also there is one important note here, and that's that A.J. Griffin did not play in this game. That's not a surprise because, you know, when the Hawks are at full strength, which they have been in recent days and weeks and since Steyer took over, they've been choosing basically one guy to not play, and it's usually been A.J. Everybody's, everybody's at full strength. So I'm not sure if that's going to continue, but uh, he seems to be the 10th of 10 at this point in time. Uh, Philly had their one big run in the first quarter, a 16-5 to push by Philadelphia to go up by six points. The lack of on-ball pressure was pretty stark against a team that had ball handling issues in this game. Philly scored 30 points on the first 20 possessions in this game. They were scoring at will early on. The Hawks did run an ATO again for a Kongu to take a three. He misses one, but still they've been trying to kind of push that. Um, Sadiq Bay in a couple of threes um, right after that. The Hawks did close on a 9-2 run that was almost 12-2. Trey made a three right after the buzzer that was ruled to be after. And it was it was close, but it was probably the right call. 
anyway. The Hawks were only down by one at the end of the first quarter, despite the pretty, pretty fast pace. The second quarter was all full of runs in this game. Uh, it was Trey plus bench to start the second quarter, and it was basically been the go-to lineup recently. They've been kind of changing Trey's minutes a little bit. But, again, big picture, the Hawks went up by 12 early in the second quarter because it was a 21-2 to run by Atlanta, dating back to the end of the first quarter. At one point, they scored 15 points in a row, and the Hawks were asserting their dominance at that point in time. Philly missed their first, I believe, 10 shots in the second quarter. Jalen had a nice stretch, a couple of nice passes to Okongwu and Boganovich. But um, not to be outdone, the Sixers responded with a 12-3 run of their own. A couple of uh, mistakes by the Hawks. Um, turnovers by Okongwu and Trey. Capella missed free throws, etc. And then the Hawks answered at the very end of the quarter with an 8-0 run of their own. And then Hunter had a tip down, basically to put the Hawks up, up by 10 at the halftime break. So no damage done. The Hawks won the quarter by 11 points. And up 10 at the half, I felt like they were going to be in cruise control mode. Trey had 11 assists in the first half. At 17 as a team. Defensively, it was not great, but they were still in perfectly fine position. Obviously, fast forward to the end of this one, it was not that way moving forward. There were some sloppy moments in the third quarter. There were some fireworks as well. A couple of lob dunks by Collins and Murray in the third at the top. But Philadelphia was really cooking on offense. They had 26 points in the first nine minutes or so. Uh, there were plenty of jokes, including one by me, about how the Hawks might have seen a Raptors score at halftime because Toronto was down by 28 points at halftime. So it was kind of like... Everyone, at least outside of the bubble, knew that the Hawks were probably going to be the night, the eighth seed no matter what happened. I'm sure that maybe some guys knew, et cetera, but it was still pretty rough in the third quarter no matter what. Both teams, by the way, incapable of taking care of the ball, really the entire game, but especially in the third quarter, 15 combined turnovers in the third. If you do the math on that, that means that would be an average of 60 for a game, which means 30 per team. That would be sky high, obviously. These two teams were turning the ball over a lot in this game, but it was crazy in the third quarter. Eight for Philly, seven for Atlanta. And even when both teams took shots, they actually made them. They just could not actually get shots to the rim in the third quarter. I think in part due to the frustration about their perimeter defense in this game and really in general the last weeks and really all season long, um, Snyder went to Aaron Holiday and started the fourth quarter. I joke because it might have been because Quinn saw the score of the Raptors game, but um, Aaron came in for like came in for Dejounte really alongside Trey. It wasn't like he was playing in place of Trey when they, kind of, they were kind of just pedaling off. They tried, I think, Holiday because of defense, and uh, he was fine in his small small stint. But that was kind of it. Um, the league got down to two. I won't bore you with all of it because it's like one of those weird things. But um, the Hawks did have one stretch where they actually made three three threes in a row with Bay, Collins, and Hunter, but defensively they gave it right back. They were up by seven points a few different times. A couple of big threes by Collins. Um, Murray had a nice drive, actually, to go up by seven with 150 to go in regulation. And, uh, again, the Hawks managed to blow that lead. Philly scored seven points in about a minute to tie it. That was the first tie of the whole second half. So the Hawks have been leading or the Hawks have been leading the game for basically the entirety of three quarters at that point. And then they blew a seven-point lead, 150 to go, and it was tied. Um, Trey made a floater for the lead after that, but then right after that, Philadelphia ties the game on a putback dunk, and then the Hawks had a terrible possession at the end of the regulation. Uh, it was mostly Trey. I'm not really sure what his plan was. I don't think he had a plan. Ended up being a shot clock violation, which you just cannot take there. you got to shoot the ball at some point. Anyway, that was the end of that. And then in overtime, I'll just say this. I don't think it's that big of a deal, but if I was Landry Fields, I would have probably called down and punted the overtime period with the third unit. Um, the game, you know, because you know the the team in the mo- in the moment they obviously want to win. Guys want to compete. I, I'll be the first to say that. You know, sometimes sometimes we we forget. And I, I I'm admitting that I do, I do this myself. That 
these guys are not robots and like they want to win a competition that they're playing in. I get all that. But I think once it was clear that they did not win a regulation, it was like, okay, guys, let's let's pull off here. Um, it was instead, though, the starters plus Bay in place of Hunter. I think Hunter had a measure restriction after being out for four games. Also, they inexplicably played Bogey again in the fourth for about, I don't know, 30 seconds. But he hadn't played like 40 minutes. I would not have played Bogey again. No matter what, um, Philly scored the first four possessions of overtime. So the Hawks were down by seven with like a minute and a half to go. They got it back to two at one point, but they never actually trailed. Like, sorry, never actually led again. Um, Trey missed a free throw late, and then they uh, sort of a dagger three by, by George and Yang in the final seconds to kind of seal things off. So I don't know. It wasn't that bothersome to me that they didn't punt the, uh, the overtime period, but uh, the Hawks did, just didn't play very well, obviously, after halftime. Ends up being a minus 15 second half for Atlanta. Um, basically from up, you know, from up 10 all the way down to minus five at the end of this game. Obviously, the extra five minutes count. But to be to lose by that margin while trying at home to the Sixers team is pretty decisive. There were some inexplicable moments. Even the guys who played well, as we'll come back to, had some bad moments in this one. The bench was good for the most part, but even they weren't great in the second half. The starters, same, you know, same strengths and weaknesses, etc. So we'll get into kind of how everybody played in this one. But as far as like the the game flow itself, it never felt like the Hawks were gonna lose, to be candid, at least in my mind. But they just could not slam the door. Like they were up again for three straight quarters and up by seven with 150 to go. But it was just like little things. They they have a bad turnover at a, at a bad time. And Again, about to go back to this one more time here, but defensively, they just could not make Philadelphia uncomfortable. The turnovers were the turnovers, and there were lots of them from the Sixers, but they got a lot of shots. They got a lot of just, for me, the thing that always has been the theme of the season. And look, the Hawks are 41 and 40, and I'll just leave this here for now. But I think if you are sort of handicapping the entire season, there are all kinds of things you can get into. But I think the single biggest issue that the Hawks have had all year long has been perimeter defense and being able to contain ball handlers and point of attack. And that was the case again tonight. Like they had other issues too, turning them all over on, on offense, et cetera. But the Hawks have not been able to play defense on the perimeter all year long. And that was again, what happened here. And uh, it was part of the puzzle, not all the puzzle, but it was just, uh, it's it's sort of unavoidable for me to, uh, I can't, I, I, I can't ignore that. It's just one of those things like it's been sticking out all year long. I would say in the majority of 81 games, and uh, it's going to be a problem they're going to have to address moving forward. But we'll leave it there for now. The Hawks were not able to secure this win. And by the end, it didn't matter. But uh, still kind of a frustrating performance on the whole from this Hawks team. All right. We'll get into the player observations at the end of the podcast, as well as a brief look ahead to what's to come, because there is a lot to talk about in the next few days and weeks. But first, though, we're from our sponsors on the show. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. The NBA playoffs are almost here. It's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're a new customer to FanDuel, you get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That means bonus bets coming back to you. First bet does not win with FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app right now. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Bet on anything you're looking for across the sports world, including point spreads and totals and money lines and player props and really across sports. There's a lot to get to beyond basketball, of course. There's baseball stuff there and tennis and golf and all that fun stuff across the board. The Hawks have one more game left in the regular season, of course, on Sunday against Boston. And then also the play-in is now set 
with the Hawks taking on the Heat on Tuesday. If you want to look through the lens of the betting market, check out FanDuel for pregame and live odds for both matchups. And from there, get many more exclusive bets at FanDuel. And you also can be combining your bets together for a same-game parlay that can give you a better payout as well. Don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Every moment more with FanDuel, official sports partner of the NBA. Okay, into the player evaluations in this game. We'll start with the bench, as we often do on this podcast. Uh, Bogey played the least, 18 minutes, 9 points, 2 rebounds, an assist, and a steal. Took it easy with him throughout this game. That was fine with me, but hit two threes. Defensively, probably not his best, as is uh, want to be the case at this point in time. But I thought Bogey was fine when he played. Aaron Holiday, four minutes. Not too much to add there, but I, I didn't mind them going to him, at least for a changeup in the fourth quarter. Joe Johnson had some nice flashes. Six points. Had three steals and two blocks in 20 minutes. That's obviously very, very impressive. Two turnovers as well and four fouls. So it's definitely a high risk, high reward, high volatility performance from him in some ways. Three of six on twos, 0 of two on threes, 0 of two at the free throw line. Um, so some other issues like everybody else had. But, uh, you know, Jalen's highs are very high. He's certainly made a bunch of flash plays. And uh, his force is um, certainly a lot of fun to watch when he has it going. Kongu is solid. Not his best, but not his worst either. Ten points, eight rebounds, had two blocks in 21 minutes. Played fine. Um, Sadiq Bay. 15 points on 11 shots, 3 of 7 from the floor. Sorry, 3 of 7 from 3, 3 of 4 from the floor uh, from two-point range, and three, point, 3 rebounds and an assist for Sadiq. Um, defensively, a step back from him after a couple of nice games uh, moving forward, but I think he's had still a good week for the Hawks. And look, the bench on the whole was a strength, and it's been that, it's been that way for a while. Uh, one of the weirder parts of the season, it's not, honestly the entire way, is that the Hawks were really only good early on. And I mean early on, I, well, the first half, first two-thirds of the season, when the, when the starters played together. Um, and now it's the, now it's the bench unit. So I don't know what flipped um, part of that, I think is the way that Snyder approaches things. And maybe they're, they're trying to get some different stuff done with the starters that they were before, but it's been a stark flip. It's a little bit interesting to me. It doesn't mean the starters are just bad now, which is I think kind of the consensus that's happening in Hawksland, but it's one of those things that's been uh, undeniable in recent days that mo- more often than not, it's been the bench kind of pushing things in the right direction to the starters. Uh, Capella was solid, not his best game. I don't think 12 points, four rebounds in 20, 32 minutes, I should say. Missed four, missed four free throws. He wasn't alone, but those were the four, four, four big misses. Two blocks and a steal for Clint. Um, he was okay, but might have, I probably would have gone with Kong a little bit more in the fourth quarter, potentially. Uh, Hunter looked like himself in good and bad ways, I would say. 14 points, four rebounds. Uh, had, had one assist, no turnovers, but uh, took a couple of iffy shots. Uh, did have a nice tip dunk with some force, one of four from three, five of seven on twos. So he was fairly efficient in this one, but defensively not his best work by any stretch of the imagination as he returns back from the knee issue. Obviously a good sign that he played at all. I would have been pretty careful with him. I think the Hawks would have probably went, would have been two. So I think him playing is a good sign that he is not going to have any, any like long-term issues with the knee, but we'll see. Uh, John Collins, 19 points, eight rebounds in 32 minutes. Three of seven from three. He's been shooting the ball a heck of a lot better recently. I talked about that a lot on the last show, so I'll leave it there for now. But he's been shooting the ball better. Defensively, he was pretty solid. Four or five on twos. Three of seven from three. Um, had a block that was pretty huge in the first quarter, I believe it was. So he was not a problem at all in this game. Played fine. Um, and then Young and Murray. So Murray, 19 points in 40 minutes. He had a game worst, minus 23. He was on the floor with the starters, but not with the bench unit when they had their big run. Uh, I don't think he was very good. But I don't think he was bad, as bad as the numbers indicate in this game. Defensively, it's been uh, frustratingly bad all year long, honestly, in my opinion, with regard to Murray. But he played a lot of minutes in this game, had some nice flashes, but wasn't his best work. And then Trey had a very interesting game. 
So we'll start with the positive that was obviously the headliner. He had 20 assists in this game. That is a career high for Trey. That is the third most in franchise history. I believe the record is 23 by Mookie Blaylock. Doc had 21 at one point. So 20 assists you cannot fake. Trey is one of the best passers in the league. No question about that. Um, But from there, he had nine turnovers, including some really bad moments in the second half, like truly bad passes, like actively bad. And then the shot clock violation at the end of the regulation was with Trey with the ball in his hands. Um, Shooting-wise, I talked about this a little, a little bit earlier in the week, but his three-point shooting, he's not hunting shots. He's not making shots. He's been a, It's been really rough there. Um, he was better inside the arc. He was better getting the line, 14 attempts, 27 points. Like I'm not complaining about Trey on the whole. Like I, I think Trey did a lot of things well in this game. There was an interesting reaction after the game. Um, I don't want to go too far into Twitter land, but uh, there was a segment of fan base that was like really mad at Trey, and then there was another fan, a segment that's like mad at the fans who were mad at Trey, if that makes sense. So like it's a little bit polarizing right now. I thought Trey did a lot of things well. I thought Trey did a lot of things poorly in this game. Um, you know, 27 points, 20 assists. Like, you can't really complain about that production. And they were plus 10 with him on the floor. But also, he had a couple of, like, really st- starkly bad moments. So, like, I don't know. what I'm not even sure what to even add about that. But there's always more nuance than anything else. I think Trey is going to have to get better um, on the perimeter as far as his shooting and his shot selection are concerned. But the passing was all over the place tonight in a good way most of the time. And then the ball security issues like this fourth quarter has been a little bit rough this year, but put a lot of minutes. I uh, will leave this here to say this now at the end of the podcast. Um, the Hawks will be the eight seed no matter what. We play Miami on Tuesday. That's going to happen. And just as a refresher for the playing tournament, seven plays eight on Tuesday. That's the Hawks in Miami against the, against the heat, against the heat. And uh, from there, if they lose, they play on f- next Friday in the nine, 10 game. Uh, so, sorry, I guess the nine, 10 winner and the winner of that game goes to the playoffs to be the eight seed. If they were to win on Tuesday, they're the seven seed in, in the actual playoffs. They're in, and then they have a few days to actually prepare. So a pretty big game on Tuesday we'll talk about later on this week. First, though, game 82 arrives on Sunday, a 1 p.m. start in Boston on Easter Sunday. ESPN also added the game. You can still watch it on Valley Sports Southeast if you were local, but ESPN has a national broadcast which is funny because neither team actually has to win that game. There's nothing to be pushed for for either side, but that's kind of the case for most of the league on Sunday. We will find this out later on about what the Hawks will do, but I will play a, a little clip for you now from tonight. Um, Lauren Javara of Valley Sports Southeast actually asked Quinn kind of, you know, just kind of teed him up with like the situation and the fact that they've now clinched. And uh, here is what Quinn had to kind of say about briefly how they approach Boston and, how, and kind of where they are right now. And just with everything playing out, um, Miami's officially the seventh seed. You're officially the eighth seed. Right. You know, how do you approach that moving forward? With Boston coming up, knowing Miami's right around the corner. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, obviously, the postseason is is where your focus is. Um, the Boston game, you know, is a way to prepare for the postseason. Um, you know, I think we're a group that wants to continue to play the right way, and we need to make sure. We do what we need to do as far as some guys being rested, um, you know, and other guys being sharp. And more than anything, our, our mentality, um, we need to not let tonight's game uh, be some dramatic statement about where we are. Um, just like it shouldn't be a dramatic statement before tonight's game that we've somehow arrived. Um, you know, we're a, that's the, you know, that's what I think this team has held on to is that they're trying to get better. And there's nothing that says this game can't make us better as well. 
So here there, he kind of mentions that, you know, they'll do what they have to do. That's probably going to be an indication that they're going to rest some guys, which I think is the right decision. Um, for me, this is just my opinion now. I'm not reporting this. I would be sitting at least five guys on Sunday. And those five guys in no order are Trey, DeJounte, Capella, Bogdanovich, and Hunter. Those guys I would not play. Now, Trey and Murray, for obvious reasons, they're your best players, high, your high-minute your high guys. Capella um, has had, you know, obviously an older guy, a lot of wear and tear. You want him fresh for Tuesday. Bogdanovich, same as Capella, even more so. Bogey has the knee issue. He's not going to play back-to-backs. Another couple days would be good for him. And the Hunter has the active injury concern. So those are the five guys that I would just – I would definitely not play any of those any of those guys. Then it would be fine with me if they sat any combination of Collins, Okongwu, and Bay. So that's that's their top eight, basically. Uh, I would sit them all, probably, if it was my up to me. But um, I, I, I can always see playing Collins, Okongwu, and Bay, or at least any some combination of those guys. You know, Collins has – you know, been playing in the league a long time. Bay is just getting to Atlanta. So if they want to play, whatever. Kongwu, same thing. But um, they could, in my mind, get through the game very easily with Jalen Johnson, AJ Griffin, Aaron Holiday, Garrison Matthews, Bruno, um, B. Krejci, Tyrese Martin, Donovan Williams, and Trent, and Trent Forrest. They'd be pretty small, but they would at least have Bruno. They would at least have Jalen as like some bigs. Veet has big man size in some respects. And by the way, it doesn't actually matter because there's nothing on the table with regard to win or loss. Now, if I had to guess, they'll probably play somebody else. Maybe a Kong Wu is probably the most likely guy. He's still a young guy, et cetera. But if they play anybody other than those bench guys, I would probably take it easy with them and uh, not push them minutes wise. So Sunday's game is just like a get out of there healthy, get some tune up stuff. But you heard what Quinn said. We'll see if they decide to play guys. We'll see what the age report says on Saturday. But uh, we'll have a podcast after that game. It'll probably be a little bit shorter than usual because there's not really a whole lot of impact on that contest. But then we'll have more content from there because we already know at this point in time the Hawks are going to play the Heat on Tuesday. And I'll just say this now. Obviously, Miami eliminated the Hawks last year from the playoffs. They really embarrassed Atlanta in a lot of ways. I think, you know, Trey had this, like, all-time disaster playoff series. The Hawks made changes based on that series. I think, I think the DeJounte move was a direct response to how that series went against Miami. So, uh, you know, same proponent again. Obviously, the Heat are not playing as well this year, but still the same stars, Jimmy and Bam, still the same head coach, Eric Spolstra. The one big change is obviously, you know, the Hawks have DeJounte, but also the Hawks have Quinn Snyder. Uh, so that'll be a little bit interesting, a little bit more interesting, I think. And look, Miami's going to be favored in that game. They're playing at home, but the Hawks can certainly win that one. And if they win that one, then uh, we'll have some time to prepare for the playoff series. And if not, we'll pivot to playing coverage on Friday against the uh, the winner of Raptors and Bulls, which is going to be happening on Wednesday. So a lot to get to in the future, but uh, an interesting day at the office for the Hawks, not in the best way possible, but still the 8 seed, again, is a good result compared to a few days ago, um, a bad result compared to a few months ago, but uh, that's the middle ground of the season, and uh, the Hawks are still one game away from being potentially 41-41, which is wild, but uh, here we are again, and we'll leave it there for now. All right, that's it for me. Listen to the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, also on YouTube, Google Play, etc. Please subscribe to the show as well. Ratings and reviews are very much appreciated. Follow the show on Twitter at Lawton Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Follow my Patreon work on the written side, patreon.com slash BT Roland. I do appreciate all the support, um, the auto downloads, and please share the podcast, all that fun stuff. It's a good time to get jump aboard on the show. If you are a, uh, just a first-time listener, welcome aboard. If you're a return, if you're current listener, definitely thank you for keeping with us at all times. And uh, as a reminder, if you're jumping on board now, 
this podcast does not stop in the offseason either. So we have, we'll have full coverage of the draft. We'll have full, co- full coverage of all that stuff when the season ends. But uh, it may not be for a while. So we'll see all, how that all transpires in the next days and weeks. Thank you for listening, everybody. I really do appreciate it. And we'll see you after the game on Sunday.